0: This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, truth seekers. Welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. The podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith. I will be your host. Thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy schedule to listen to this week's episode Of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. We are continuing our ongoing series that is closely examining the Johannine theme of misunderstanding. We began looking at this back in episode 204 and we're going to continue to look at the occurrences of misunderstanding within the Gospel of John in all of our subsequent episodes. As you will surely recall, the theme of misunderstanding within the Gospel of John appears like this. First, Jesus makes an ambiguous statement. Second, the conversation partner misunderstands Jesus, either by interpreting what Jesus said literally or by asking an inappropriate question. Third, either Jesus or the narrator explains what Jesus meant, although sometimes this explanation is missing, but clearly implied. So in this week's episode, we're going to look closely at the exchange between the disciples and Jesus within John chapter 4. In doing so, we will discuss Jesus' food and how this food actually nourishes Jesus. We will also explore what the true food of Jesus actually means for the Christology within the Gospel of John, how it defines the concept of agency, and how we should approach statements of Jesus having been sent by God. What is Jesus' food, and why is it important for correctly understanding the relationship between God and Jesus within the fourth gospel? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at the exchange between Jesus and his disciples regarding food. This is in John chapter 4, and we will start in verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages, and is gathering fruit for life eternal, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, One sows, and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, He told me all the things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, many more believed because of his word. That's John chapter 4, verses 31 through 41. And this, of course, follows the episode where Jesus has this exchange with the Samaritan woman involving the definition of water. Was Jesus talking about ordinary water or is Jesus talking about spiritual water? And So now we can see an exchange regarding food. Is Jesus talking about ordinary food, basic sustenance, or is he talking about a different type of food? So let's move to our second point, point number two, which is examining the theme of misunderstanding involving Jesus' food. So we could take these verses and we can place them within the basic framework of the theme of misunderstanding and we can now better understand what jesus was saying we can understand the disciples and where they made a mistake and we can look at how either jesus or the narrator explains what jesus meant so first jesus makes an ambiguous statement we could see this In verses 31 through 32, where the disciples were urging him to eat. Rabbi, eat. Eat some food. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Sounds like a basic response. They told Jesus to eat, and he says, I've got some food that you are not aware of. But it seems like the disciples would think that Jesus is talking about ordinary food. So the second part of the misunderstanding is that the conversation partner does actually misunderstand what Jesus says either by interpreting it literally or by asking an inappropriate question. We can see this in verse 33. The disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? And the narrator portrays this as if the disciples were continuing to say back and forth to one another, did you bring him something to eat? Did you bring him something to eat? Did you bring him something to eat? I didn't bring him anything to eat. Did anybody bring him anything to eat? No one brought him anything to eat, did he? And it's something that they were saying. They were continually having this discussion back and forth. But clearly, they have understood Jesus' reference to food that he possesses, in regard to ordinary food, to basic food, to basic sustenance. They have misunderstood him, but that misunderstanding is natural. They are asking him about the concept of eating food. They were talking about ordinary basic food, and Jesus says, I already have some food that you don't know about. So yes, the disciples make a misunderstanding here, but you can understand why they made that misunderstanding it's understandable perhaps if you were there you would have interpreted jesus in the same way that his disciples understood him so then we can move to the third part of the misunderstanding where jesus or the narrator explains the statement we see this in verse 34 jesus said to them my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That's John 4, verse 34. There's a lot of parts in this verse that we need to discuss. In no particular order, I want to look at Jesus saying that he is to accomplish God's work. This verb, accomplish, comes from the Greek verb teleoso, which actually comes from the normal Greek verb teleo, and it means to fulfill or bring to fulfillment it gets translated here as accomplish. that's a perfectly fine translation and it's interesting to see how this particular verb reappears in the Gospel of John particularly when it pertains to Jesus functioning as an agent of God doing and fulfilling God's work And so in John 5.36, the same verb shows up where it says, Jesus speaking, the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John for the works which the Father has given me to accomplish the very works that I do testify about me that the Father has sent me. So that's in John 5.36, and we can see that the works that the Father has given Jesus to accomplish. That's the same verb, the verb teleo So Jesus there functions as the agent of God, carrying out the works and the deeds of the Father, and they demonstrate that the Father has sent Jesus. We can also see a similar use in the high priestly prayer. In John 17 verse 4, Jesus said, I glorified you, Jesus is praying to the only true God. I glorify to you on the earth having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. So here in John 17:4 Jesus is saying that he has already accomplished, he has already fulfilled this particular work that God has sent him to do. And that God of course is the only true God according to the previous verse in John 17:3. So Jesus is talking about his own food. His food is not ordinary food or basic sustenance. His food that actually nourishes him, that gives him purpose, that gives him true sustenance, is to fulfill and accomplish the work of God, the work of the only true God, the work of the one who sent him. And by doing so, Jesus is, indicates that his food is to obey the one who sent him. Jesus here is functioning as an obedient son. And in doing so, he actually does define God for the readers. He describes God as the one who sent me, him who sent me, according to the translation that I have read from. And in Greek, we have two Pimpsantos which is an aorist singular participle describing the one who sent him as a single person. Jesus here describes God as one person, clearly the Father alone. Jesus' understanding of God is unitarian. Jesus thinks that God is only one person, not two or three persons. The one who sent me, in Greek, is one single person. So there, Jesus Is describing his own food as the nourishment of obeying the one who sent him and in doing so he defines God in Unitarian terms which is exactly what we would expect from a first century Jew who is obedient to the Shema of Israel. Now the theme of misunderstanding here clearly points to the person of Jesus. It points to the Christology of the fourth gospel. It describes the nature of Jesus' relationship to God. And, and it is an important point that the author really is wanting to impress upon his readers. So we can't simply look at this exchange between Jesus and the disciples and say that Jesus was considered to be speaking about ordinary food, In other words, it doesn't do us any good to say that Jesus didn't mean this. We need to ask the question, what did Jesus mean? Well, we can see that Jesus found nourishment in obeying God. Jesus found nourishment in functioning as God's agent. Jesus found nourishment in bringing to fulfillment the work of God for which he has been tasked. So let's move us to our third and final point, which is the Christological implications to correctly understanding Jesus' food. Jesus, in this passage, describes himself as one who has been sent. And the verb to send, at least in the New Testament, but particularly here in the Gospel of John, is a very loaded word. One aspect of being sent implies that the one who is sent is the agent of the sender. Jesus here is the agent who is sent by his master. And if an agent is to obey his or her master by doing the master's will, then the agent is subordinate to the master, not co-equal. So by Jesus describing himself as the one who is sent to do the work of his master, he is not describing himself or portraying himself as co-equal with the father. This is not a co-equal father sending a co-equal son. This is a superior father, God the Father, sending his subordinate son as the agent and as the agent, Jesus is going to do the will of God. So the works of Jesus are actually the works of God the Father in light of the principle of agency. And this is a supremely important point. We should not be surprised that Jesus is portrayed in the Gospel of John as doing and saying things that presumably only God should be doing or saying. And the proper conclusion in these matters is not to assume that Jesus just is the true God when Jesus does God's works and speaks God's words. Rather, Jesus is the authorized agent of God sent to accomplish God's works. So we see Jesus saying things that sound like things that only God can say and performing functions that presumably only God can do. It doesn't mean that Jesus is God. It means that Jesus is functioning as the authorized agent. That's what it means when Jesus is sent. To be sent by God means that you are an authorized agent of God and you are authorized to do and speak the deeds, and the words of the sender. Now let's also talk about the meaning of sent and what it means in regard to being commissioned or sent from heaven. There are a lot of people that will read the fact that Jesus has been sent from God, and they will conclude that this either means that Jesus was commissioned, namely that God gave Jesus a mission, or that Jesus was actually sent from god as in Jesus preexisted in heaven alongside the father and the god sent Jesus from heaven down to earth and that is what sent means and there are a lot of people that will take this sending as an either or either Jesus was commissioned for a job commissioned for a poor, important ministry or Jesus was actually sent from heaven and he came down to earth. Now we have to remember that one of the key theological concepts of the Gospel of John is that the human Jesus is the embodiment of God's personified Logos. Jesus is the word of the Father. Now that Logos, remember that's the personified utterance and speech of God that word was in the beginning with God and that word naturally comes from God but that word according to John 1 has now been embodied in the human Jesus who at that point is the unique son and since that word has come from God now embodied in the unique son it is proper, at least in that sense, to say that Jesus has, in some sense, been sent. I want you to consider for a moment this passage from Isaiah 55, verse 11. A very important passage. In Isaiah 55, 11, the prophet, speaking on behalf of God, says, So will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the manner for which I sent it. Isaiah 55 verse 11. So the prophet here speaks of this personified word of God that God is actually able to send out on a mission. It goes forth from God's mouth. It actually is a word. It's God's speech. It's God's utterance. It's going to do what God wants it to do. It's going to accomplish God's desires, God's will. It's going to succeed in the manner for which God has sent it. It's not going to return to God empty. So it is a word, namely it's God's speech and God's utterance. It's not a conscious person sent out from God's mouth. It's his speech. It's his word. And so we can see that that word was in the beginning with God, but that word has now been embodied, the Word has become flesh in the unique Son, John 1.14. And so since God has sent that Word out, there is a sense towards Jesus seeing himself as the embodiment of God's speech, the embodiment of God's utterance. He can speak of himself as having been sent from God, not unlike what we see in Isaiah 55, verse 11. So Isaiah spoke about the personified word of God coming from heaven to do God's desire. And Jesus speaks of himself as the one who is sent from God to do the work of God, to accomplish God's will. So I think Jesus sees himself in light of Isaiah 55, verse 11. Now, certainly, if someone actually was sent from heaven... I mean consciously sent from heaven, as in like someone was in heaven and he came down to earth as a conscious person, then of course that person would be commissioned by God. So it's not really a verb, the verb to send, it's not really an either or when it comes to that, because of course if someone is actually sent from one location to another, they are actually commissioned. That actually would be a false dichotomy to assume that it could only mean commissioned or it could mean sent from a location. So I think we need to be very, very careful as to how we interpret that particular verb and the intentions of the author. But, and this is a very important point, the Gospel of John has not indicated that the Son was in the beginning with God, now sent to earth. But rather, the Gospel of John has said that it is the speech of the utterance of God that was in the beginning. It has now been sent and embodied metaphorically in the human Jesus, the unique Son. And this is a critical distinction. And it's important to keep this sharp understanding in our mind as we take seriously what the author of the fourth gospel is actually trying to say and trying to convey to his readers. So yes, Jesus is the obedient son. Yes, Jesus is the authorized agent of the Father, empowered to do the works and to speak the words of God. But Jesus is also the embodiment of God's utterance, the embodiment of God's speech, God's logos, and God's speech and utterance has been sent from heaven. So in conclusion... The Johannine theme of misunderstanding again is employed by the author to give meaning to Jesus' person, to his role as agent, and to Jesus' relationship with the one true God. While Jesus previously spoke of spiritual water in the narrative with the Samaritan woman, Jesus now speaks of spiritual food to his followers the disciples, who are naturally the ideal readers of the Gospel of John. The real food that Jesus is speaking about is not ordinary sustenance, but rather accomplishing the will of God precisely as an authorized agent, an agent who performs God's own works. And in doing so, Jesus stresses that he is an obedient son, who faithfully and accurately does what God wants him to do. Furthermore, Jesus is an agent who is clearly subordinate to his master. And as this agent, Jesus is authorized to say the words of God and to perform the deeds of God, which effectively makes Jesus the mouthpiece and the hand of God. Notions of Jesus being sent from God need to be carefully understood in light of what the Gospel of John has said on the topic. The Son of God was not in the beginning with the Father. It was God's personified utterance, the personification of God's speech, the Logos. And it was that speech that was in the beginning with God in heaven. This speech slash utterance was sent from God's mouth. It is now embodied in the human Jesus, the unique Son. And this is the manner of sending that the Gospel John wants to impress upon his readers. Particularly by making this one of the emphases in the theme of misunderstanding that Jesus has involving Jesus food. Thank you so so much for listening to this week's episode. Please join us next week. We're going to be looking at John chapter 6 and we're going to consider what it means that Jesus is the bread that has come down from heaven. How does the theme of misunderstanding help make sense of Jesus' words and this cryptic phrase? Please look forward to our next episode. Now, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please consider supporting us as we promote the sound truths about the humanity of Jesus and the oneness and unity of God. You may check out this episode's description for a link to PayPal if you would like to donate. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced and edited by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, you folks, please take care.